All righty, ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Welcome to Roundabout Sports presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media, where our passion is our profession. Thank you for tuning in. I'm the maestro Jeremy Carp. It is a cooler uh, October 4th, 2023, and we are in the thick of the NFL regular season as well as we are now underway for the MLB postseason. We'll definitely be talking about that this evening. Um, be sure to tune in on our Facebook page for Interstate 70 Sports Media, as well as on um, our Twitter, or I guess X account, however you want to call it. I still call it Twitter. Who gives a damn what Elon says? And then also, of course, we have um, the Roundabout Sports Facebook page as well. And you can also find all the amazing um, writing and photography that our team does at w or at interstate70sports.media. That is interstate70sports.media. Um, so it has been quite the interesting week right now in the world of sports. So the first thing I want to kick us off about is... And I, I don't really want to be the one to have to, you know, bring it up. But what the hell? We everybody's already talked about it, and that's the whole Taylor Swift phenomenon in the NFL. For those that don't know, the pop music icon is dating uh, future Hall of Fame tight end Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. And the thing of it is, for me. So a lot of people are, and I mean a lot of people, are criticizing the NFL for its over-marketing of it, its milking of the whole thing, um, and so people overdoing it. So the NFL on Wednesday defended its recent coverage of the pop superstar and Travis Kelsey relationship amid a lot of backlash. Um, and... You know, advertisements from the pet from during the past two Kansas City Chiefs games have featured advertisements from the upcoming concert film Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour. And on several occasions, it's cut to Taylor Swift in the press box or in the suites, I should say, um, whether she's sitting next to Donna Kelsey, who is Jason and Travis Kelsey's mother. Or next to other uh, stars such as Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds, um, and so the NFL wrote on a statement on Wednesday: We frequently change our bios and profile imagery based on what's happening in and around our games, as well as culturally. The Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey news has been a pop cultural moment that we've leaned into full into real time as it's an intersection of sport and entertainment. And we've seen an incredible amount of positivity around the sport. The league did go on to state the vast majority of our content has remained focused on the game, our players, the variety of other initiatives, including our toy story, fun day, football, alternative cast, the international games and more. So, for those tuning in, definitely let me know if you think the NFL is overdoing the whole phenomenon um, that is Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. 
Um, also, um, so this is an interesting story just coming out of last night. Uh, I'm sorry, out of Monday night. So, per sources, the NFL is potentially going to to be um, handing down uh, disciplinary action on Seahawks safety Jamal Adams um, after his he had an outburst towards the independent concussion doctor appointed by both the NFL and the NFLPA following his sideline evaluation. So put this in context. Jamal Adams made his season debut against the Giants on Monday. Um, And he's been gone for over a year from the NFL due to injuries. Um, On the ninth play of the game, he took a knee to the helmet. And he stayed down on the field for about a moment. Appeared very wobbly and disoriented trying to stand up. Now, as he kept trying to stay on the field, he continued to look unstable, and he eventually walked off the field with the help of one of the staff staff members on each side of him. Now, a few minutes later, on the Seahawks' sideline, um, Adams emerged from the blue medical tent that they have set up on every sideline and became enraged, yelling at one of the NFL's unaffiliated neurotrauma consultants by being held back by the team's athletic trainer and two members of security. Um, And basically the reason is because he was ruled out for the rest of the game due to a concussion and he was beyond frustrated at that. So yeah, definitely not something pleasant. Um, And Jamal Adams released a statement saying, quote, first and foremost, I want to apologize to the OG. You did everything right when you realized I was concussed. I apologize for any negative energy I brought your way. Continuing, he says, watching the replay, I'm thankful for your patience, knowing I wasn't myself in that moment. You're a real one, and you serve a great purpose that benefits the NFL and so many players. Prioritizing players' health is essential. Much respect to you. So, um, on the opening drive, Adams actually had two tackles and almost had a sack on Daniel Jones before he left the game. Um, And out of a possible 53 regular season games um, that he could be playing... He had missed 28 of them due to injuries. He also had stated that, as being reported, he had considered retiring after tearing his quad in week one of last season. Um, But, I mean, it's great seeing him back. It's unfortunate he got injured yet again. We hope to see him back really soon. Um, That is absolutely sure. Um. And, of course, somebody I'll be seeing this Saturday, I do want to promote Pro Wrestling Epic, um, is having uh, yet another amazing show in store for you. Bittersweet Lockdown 2 will take place in Alton, Illinois, um, this Saturday, October 7th, 
And yes, Jared, who is commenting currently on our stream, um, I will be seeing him there. Of course, I'm fortunate enough to be the lead uh, voice commentator for Pro Wrestling Epic. It's a true blessing. Um, and I'd like to thank the members of the Wrestle Talk podcast that had me on last night. It was a great pleasure to be on there and talk about the show and some of my life as well. So, absolutely. With that, folks, October baseball has arrived. So, the playoffs in Major League Baseball are underway. It is definitely exciting. We have multiple um, series going on over the course of this week. Of course, we kick it off always with the uh, American League and National League wildcard series. Our first series that we have here is the Milwaukee Brewers taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks. And we also had the Philadelphia Phillies taking on the Miami Marlins. For the National League, for the American League, we um, actually are having the Toronto Blue Jays over the Minnesota, are facing off against, sorry, the Minnesota Twins and the Tampa Bay Rays against the Texas Rangers. Now, I want to throw something out there about the Tampa Bay Rays um, very quickly. So, the Rays drew the, at Tropicana Field, which is arguably the worst stadium in baseball probably one of the worst stadiums um, in sports. Um, the Rays drew the lowest attendance of any postseason baseball game since the 1919 World Series. They drew 19,704 fans. For postseason baseball, that is pathetic. It's pathetic in any, I mean, to me, it's pathetic in general, but for it to be postseason baseball, um, and Jared says, Florida's not really a baseball state. Well, then move the Rays out of Tampa. Move them out of Florida. Guess what? There's a city in Canada that would love nothing more than to have a baseball team. What city is that? Montreal. There's been talks of expanding Major League Baseball and bringing back the Expos. Fine, because guess what? I'd much rather have the Montreal Expos than the damn Tampa Bay Rays. Um, and Jared's saying, when you think of Florida, you think of the Buccaneers, honestly. I personally think of either the Buccaneers or the um, Miami Dolphins and or the Miami Heat, you know, or the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like, there, there are a lot of sports teams. Um and even the Miami Marlins, you know, a couple World Series titles under their belt. Um, and always grateful to for my amazing girlfriend Piper tuning in. God love her. Um, kind of rough day today, um, but tomorrow is always a brighter day for her. So just telling her to keep her her chin up and keep on keeping on. So. Um, with all that said, back to the whole baseball in Florida thing, um, basically, and yeah, basically Jared, basically every team, but a baseball team, um, is beloved in Florida. Why? I don't know. 
I mean, I look back to when the Rays took on the Phillies in the World Series. Nobody gave a rat's ass about it. They really didn't. Um, meanwhile, um, I do want to throw a little tidbit, interesting piece of info in regards to the um, Montreal Expos for a second. So Miguel Cabrera, future Hall of Famer as well, um, retired just a couple days ago. Um and with his retirement, um, there are no longer any active players who faced off against the Montreal Expos. Um, now, for those that don't know, the Expos became the Nationals in 2005, so their last season was 04. Uh, Miguel Cabrera started his career in Florida with the Marlins, so... They were in the same division as the Expos, so he faced off against them plenty. But yes, and it's crazy to think that a team that left in 2004, the last player to face off against them retires in 2023. Yeah, and even Jared thinks that's a really wild statistic. And and, and it is something. Like Bartolo Colon retired earlier this year, and he was the last active baseball player who was a member of the Montreal Expos. Um, and Big Sexy, as he likes to be known, you know, he retired at uh, 50 years old. So imagine playing professional baseball until you're 50. It's it's something wild to think about. Um, I mean, Gordy Howe almost played professional hockey too. He was almost 60. But I digress. Um, so I look at some of these postseason series and i'm gonna say this the minnesota twins have not won a playoff game in close to 20 years i actually believe it's been over 20 years and it's not that they haven't been to the playoffs they've been in the playoffs many times but i'm pretty sure they've gotten swept every single series they've been in um, so, and Jared is hoping anybody but LA teams, so in this case, the Dodgers, because the Angels don't know how to run a franchise except run it into the ground. Um, the Brewers, and of course, then the Twins. Um, okay, well, I, let me go through some of my predictions here. So, I got, I hate to say it, but I got the Brewers over the Diamondbacks. Arizona snuck their way in. Um, the Reds absolutely collapsed um, there and botched their chance at going back to the postseason in what could very well be Joey Vito's last season. Um, I I just think, you know, the NL Central champion Brewers, they haven't had a spectacular season, like anything flashy, but they've just had an all-about uh, solid year. And it's interesting. I'm going to do one more quick side note because my dad commented on um, the Expos. So he says, bring back the Expos and have them play at Park Jari. So it's interesting that Jari Park Stadium um, is still a base. Well, it's still a stadium um, right now. Um, it's actually, um, 
held for multiple other sporting events. But yes, it was originally um, a baseball stadium. Um, and it's it is quite interesting though that today it contains baseball diamonds, soccer, cricket, bocce, basketball, and beach volleyball grounds, as well as uh, pitches and zones, swimming pools, playgrounds, and multiple gazebos. And uh, there's a pond on the park site that also turns into a skating rink in the wintertime. So, um, but okay, back to my baseball predictions here. All right. Like I said, I have the Brewers beating the Diamondbacks. Um, I have the Phillies beating the Marlins. The Marlins, though, I'm going to say it right now, and people are going to disagree with me. At the very least, consider Skip Schumacher a potential candidate for um, manager of the year for the National League. Um, what he has done with the Marlins, I mean, he was, so Schumacher was hired as the bench coach for the Cardinals in November of 2021, excuse me. Well, last October, um, Schumacher left to become the, uh, the manager of the Marlins and as they as they let go of Don Mattingly. Now, I mean, right now he finished in third place in the division, and right now the Phillies hold a one to nothing lead over the over the um, Marlins. Series is still young though. And look at Jared's prediction. Now this is an interesting one. Now over the upcoming weeks, we'll. We'll delve into more baseball predictions, but Jared has the Phillies going all the way to win the World Series. Um, I they're definitely one of the favorites in my eyes. Um, to me, you know what? What the hell? I'm gonna. I think the Braves will repeat. Um. But I'm not going to lie, I would thoroughly enjoy seeing the Baltimore Orioles win the World Series this year. I really would. Um, that's just me. Especially with the passing of Hall of Famer Brooks Robinson. Um, now, like I said, as long as the Dodgers don't win, that'd be wonderful. Um, okay, so when we go to the American League... I got the Blue Jays beating the Twins. I'm sorry. There's no, there's nothing about the Twins that screams we're going to do great. The American League Central Division just sucks from top to bottom. Um, I personally think Cleveland has a better team in that division, and and yet they did they they finished second and they couldn't even finish above 500. Um, and the White Sox are bad. The Tigers are bad. The Royals are bad. So overall, top to bottom, just an overall rough division. So I don't see it being much of a fight. As far as the Rays and the Rangers go, I'll be honest. It's some given that they used to face the Cardinals in the World Series. I'm going to go with the Rangers on this series. 
Um, mainly because Jordan Montgomery is pitching for the Rangers now. Um, but also, you know, I even though they didn't win their division, the fact they held the division lead for so long, when you got super talented teams like the Houston Astros and the Seattle Mariners, um, you know, I think it's just a testament to how, um, I guess the word, um, persistent they are. Um, and my dad's prediction, or at least his hope would, so my dad says he hopes the Orioles win. He'd like to see them, the Baltimore Orioles. So yeah, everybody be sure to give me your predictions as far as who you want to see win. And over the next few episodes, over the next few weeks on Roundabout Sports, we're going to be talking more in depth on baseball. Um, now, like I said, the Astros and Orioles will be facing the winners of these two wild card series, as will the Atlanta Braves and the Los Angeles Dodgers. It remains to be seen who faces who. But I'm excited for a lot. And let me tell you something right now. Say what you want, but um, Acuna, Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, has had just absolutely had an MVP season this year. If he does not win the MVP this year for the National League, there is something completely wrong in this. This is now, let me tell you, this is the type of guy you want. This is some old school baseball statistics. All right. So, Acuna Jr., he, um, 217 hits, 106 RBIs, um, only struck out 84 times, 41 home runs, 73 stolen bases. Keep in mind, 73 stolen bases and hit for an average of 337. Now, I want to put this um, in perspective for you. So let me scroll down here if you all will bear with me for just one second. The leading stolen base, uh, or the leading base deal on the Cardinals was Tommy Edmond. He had 27. Meanwhile, Cooney Jr. had 73. And we'll look at some of the other stolen base leaders um, in Major League Baseball this year. Um, you know, you have for the National League, you also have uh, Corbin Carroll fed 54. Bobby Witt for Kansas City led uh, or was second in the American League. Bobby Witt Jr., with 49 stolen bases. He was one off of uh, 50. Um, C.J. Abrams of Washington had 47. Um, and so, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Um, and also, I do want to say, now, Cunha finished second for average. Um, Luisa Rias for Miami finished with a 354 average. So, definitely something. Um, and no, Harrison Bader does not have um, 77 stolen bases. Um, and 
Would that be nice if he did? Yes, it'd be nice if he did that for the Cardinals too. But that's beside the point. This year, he actually had 20 stolen bases. So he wasn't even the leader, but he still almost has as many as the highest uh, Cardinal player did. But once again, that's a different topic for a different day. So a lot of baseball going on. Stick around with Interstate 70 Sports Media as we'll begin to cover it even more as far as the postseason. Um, quick shout out to um, St. Louis City SC. You might wonder why I'm saying that. So um, they actually made a lot of history uh, just a few days ago. So, you know what's crazy? First off, I'm going to say this. In MLS history, there is no way you can argue that St. Louis City SC is the best expansion team in MLS history. I mean, let me tell you something. It was the in 18 home games, they've sold out 18 times. The 17 wins they've notched this year set a record for an MLS expansion team in its first season. Um this they are also the first expansion team um that it's the first time a conf I'm sorry, let me get my words out. It's the first time an expansion team has clinched a conference title. Um so in the first season, I should say, with two matches to play. They lead all of MOS with its goal differential of plus 22. Um, and this is the thing. The Arizona Diamondbacks and the Tampa Bay Rays are the most recent MLB expansion teams. I don't count the Nationals because they moved. They may be a new team via name, but they are not new, as in just an all-around team. Um, in their first season, they fin- the Diamondbacks finished 65-97. and 97. Now, um, the next season, they won 100 games. Once again, though, we are talking strictly first season here. Um, and yes, Jared says it perfectly. St. Louis City SC has kicked butt in the first season. Um and he says the only good management in STL sports obviously is why, LOL. Um, yeah, I'll tell you, it's it's definitely something spectacular. Let's the Rays have done basically the same thing when it comes to um expansion success or lack of success. The Marlins and Rockies both struggled as well. Um when the Houston Texans became an, uh, an expansion team in the NFL. They went four and 12 and finished and had the worst offense in the league in their inaugural season. And they finished last in their division. Um, the Jaguars and the Panthers. Um, actually uh, the Jaguars went four and 12 in their first season. The Panthers set um, an all time best by a team in its inaugural season, winning seven games. But later, both teams reached the uh, conference championship game for their respective conferences. Now, this is where, you know, we'll talk about the NBA team, expansion teams. Um, In 2004, the now 
Charlotte Hornets, which were the Bobcats, finished 18 and 64, which is bad, very, very bad, but not as bad as um, the Vancouver Grizzlies, who are now known as the um, Memphis Grizzlies. I'm sorry. They finished with an all-time worst in NBA history with a 15 and 67 record, the worst for an expansion team. Um, just, just lovely. Uh, now, the best inaugural season in NBA history: the 66-67 Chicago Bulls, 33 and 48, and that was even enough to make the playoffs. Won't happen that way this year, or any of these years. I'll tell you that. Um, and yes, we got to get bad. Very, very bad. Put that on a shirt. That would be fun to have that on a shirt. I'll tell you that right now, man. Um, okay. Now there is some very recent history when it comes to the NHL expansion franchises. All right. Let's talk about the, the Vegas golden Knights. They're the elephant in the room and look, they are the team that you could honestly say you could say is the best best expansion team in American sports history. In their first season, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals. They went 51-24-7. Um, they've made the playoffs every year besides 2021-2022. And um, they are the reigning Stanley Cup champions. Seattle's inaugural season wasn't as good. They finished in last and at 27, 49, and 6. But last year, they made the playoffs and won their first round series. So here we go again with St. Louis City SC. If it wins the MLS Cup at the end of a deep playoff run, I'm booking them as the best expansion team in pro sports history. Um, at least in American sports. Um, and with one more point, they would tie the record for most points by an inaugural MLS team. And, you know, no other team in any sport has finished as high in the league's overall standings as St. Louis does with two matches to play. Um, so... I'm, I'm just saying, like, the history that this team is is having, it's an unprecedented run. And look, I get it. A lot of teams um, or a lot of experts and analysts out there predicted the soccer team to absolutely bomb. You can't blame them for the sake of yeah it's an expansion team most expansion teams suck we just went through that history is not kind to expansion teams in their first season um that said it's fun to see that st louis city sc has absolutely proven every analyst slash expert wrong so you know I, I love to see it. Um, so, yeah, congrats to them, and we'll see how, how the playoffs and everything go from here.
Now, before we close for the evening, there's something I brought up last night on the Russell Talk podcast with Jay Wade, and I wanted to bring it up one more time tonight. So, Adam Copeland, known for his WWE persona's Edge, made his first appearance in All Elite Wrestling at the premier AEW Wrestle Dream pay-per-view this past Sunday. A lot of people um, have a lot of mixed feelings about this. Some people um, have definitely... I mean, Jared, if you want... Now, I'm getting a comment from Jared. Jared, if you want, I will send you a link. We will get you on. And you would, you definitely can share your thoughts alongside me. Um, and while I await your, your answer to my invitation... Um, yep, Jared is ready for the link. So, folks, we're going to be joined shortly by Jared Shannon... From Pro Wrestling Epic, bear with me as I get him that link. Um, now, it's always fun. The best part about doing shows live is that you never know what's going to happen. Um, the link has been sent, Jared. Be ready, because I definitely need somebody else to talk to about this. It frustrates me to no end about how some of the wrestling fans have reacted to Edge joining. So as soon as Jared's ready, and, and while we wait, I'm going to tell you some of the things fans have done. They've burned merchandise of his. They've thrown a lot of his action figures and things in the trash. Um, people have asked for him to be removed from the WWE Hall of Fame. Edge was in WWE for 25 years. If anybody has earned the right to go anywhere and do whatever he pleases. It's him. Um, so, yeah. Like, no thanks. Um, and, like I said, Jared, the link is in your Facebook messenger. Um, and it just... It's frustrating. You know, no wrestler, every wrestler has the right to go where they want, when they want. Um, and for people to chastise, to hate, and most importantly, to just all around be an insensitive pain in the ass about it, extremely disrespectful. Um... And it took the wrestling industry by storm, especially since Jade Cargill um, joined WWE from AEW. So now you got Edge joining AEW from WWE. It just fuels the fire between the two competing promotions. And it's very, it's very mind-blowing and interesting to me on everything. Once again, folks... As we await Jared's arrival, you are tuning in to Roundabout Sports, presented by 870 Sports Media. I'm the maestro, Jeremy Karp, and it is my pleasure to introduce, um, even if he doesn't want to think so, he's a dear friend. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Jared Shannon. 
Mr. Jeremy Carp. What is up, Jared? Oh, it's another day in the wrestling universe. It is. So we all know about Edge debuting in AEW. We know the reactions from it. So what is your reaction to this? And more importantly, what is the reaction you have to the negative reactions? You know, my reaction to Adam Copeland going to AEW is it's not really a positive one, in my opinion. Mainly due to the fact that, no offense, but he's 49 years old. You see AEW as a more of a younger generation game right now. And the negative reaction he is getting is something that he should have expected. When Edge returned to WWE, everyone thought he was going to retire there, and that's where he was always going to be. But unfortunately, he brought that negative reaction to himself. So the way I see it, though, I mean, yeah, okay, you can say he brought it on himself, but at the same time, does it still warrant that? I mean... Look, at 49, did we think he was going to retire in WWE? Of course we did. I didn't, first off, I mean, I was amazed he was ever able to come back in the first place. But I thought, hey, okay, he's going to have one last run. He had his heel run in there, and he had, he finished it off with a babyface run. If Edge retired off into the sunset in WWE, I wouldn't have batted an eye and felt bad about it. The way I see it, though, if he still feels he can go, you know, um, you know, AEW is definitely the younger generation style show. Um, but maybe he's wanting to do one last run with, with his, uh, lifelong best friend, Christian. And, you know, I've heard that reason from a lot of people, but to me, it just doesn't make sense. Like... Yeah, he could go over there and do another run with Christian, but why can't Christian jump over to WWE to do that run with Edge? I mean, I think a lot of it stems from just... I feel like Christian's departure from WWE was a lot different than Edge's. And on top of that, Christian is already just in the middle of a program, whereas Edge... Um, did everything he had to do or all the contractual obligations. And then, you know, boom, he was set to go. Um, and I also have heard another reason he, um, Adam Copeland went to AEW is because there is opponents that he's wanted to face off against that he would not have been allowed to face off against if he was in WWE still. Um, you know, those that wrestle in other promotions like New Japan, for example. And, you know, all of these wrestlers, they do have those opponents that they wish that they could face before they go. But it also comes to the fact, like, they are much younger, much fresher. How longer do you think Edge can keep continue going at that level that those younger guys can compete at? Because to me, in his WWE run, 
it kind of seemed like he was slowing down a lot. Yeah, I will say also, and maybe it was because it was his last run, I felt there were a lot of victories that he probably shouldn't have had that he did. Um, and as much as, you know, I'm the guy that likes seeing the Legends win matches, I know when a wrestler should be put over and when they shouldn't. Um, and I feel like Finn Balor took a hit not beating Edge um, on multiple occasions. It affected... It affects the whole Judgment Day, but it also affects Finn Balor's credibility when you're supposed to be this intimidating force and you can't be the basically a 49-year-old man who had to have um, neck repair surgery. Yeah, and I 100% agree with that. During his rivalry with Finn Balor, I believe that Finn should have always had that outcome like you saw Edge and Seth Rollins. We saw Edge and Randy Orton go at it. And then we eventually saw that mixed match tag team back at the Royal Rumble when it was in St. Louis. When I, I believe Maurice and The Miz should, should have went over in that. But it kind of seemed like Edge going over to WWE, which I'm surprised no fan has brought this up or I have not seen yet. He's a CM Punk rebound. The purpose they were using CM Punk for is now Edge's purpose. Mm. Well, I knew at some point the CM Punk experiment in AEW was going to fail. I think it was just a great short-term uh, ratings boost. But I don't feel that he's reliable enough talent to have in the locker room for an extended period of time. And we saw the degradation of what happens when you have him in there with a lot of other talent in the locker room that have put in their years. Look, I'll give, look, I'm, I said this last night that the young bucks should not get another shot at the AEW world tag team championships. But at the same time, um, I will say that, you know, CM Punk's ego was definitely something that got in the way with a lot of the talent. And meanwhile, the good doctor, who I'm grateful is tuning in this evening, uh, definitely missing his presence. Um, he says, the best in the world was too good for lame-ass AEW. Now, what's your thoughts on that? Because, yes, the good doctor has been vocal on the show about his disdain for AEW and he's more than entitled to it. There's things about AEW I don't like. Um but I just wanted your thoughts on the whole on the matter. You know, a lot of people know my opinion on all elite wrestling. I do not mind it. Do I think they are in the top three best wrestling that I've seen? Absolutely not. <laughs> and <laughs> it just comes to the fact that you have a promoter, CEO, and owner backstage that never really been around wrestling but WWE, and he wanted to make a dime off of what he's seen at WWE. And I, CM Punk, I do agree, was too good for AEW. His level of expertise that he knew, he couldn't execute that execute the vision that he thought he had 
And then all of that just added up where it just kind of popped open his Pepsi bottle. Yeah, I, you know, I like aspects of it, all elite wrestling. Um, I do think, look, going into this, we knew they weren't going to assert WWE. They nobody is ever going to put the WWE out of business unless it's WWE themselves. Um, you know, New Japan is you has such a huge market, a market that's arguably bigger than AEW's, and they're not gonna put WWE out of business. Um, but they're also not trying to. Point being, you know, AEW needs to focus to me on being different and there's instead of i feel like at first they were i feel like at first they were focusing on being different being the product that people wanted to see because they couldn't see it anymore then something i guess triple h got more involved with wwe of course i mean he's always you know how extended his involvement is but backstage and it just got better for the point where now WWE has gotten better. I will say there's things about WWE that still suck, but shit, I mean it's there was a long there was a multi-year period of time where Raw was just trash. Um now it's gotten much more watchable and enjoyable. The crowds are really getting into it. Again, um the characters are great. Um and AEW has some amazing wrestlers that are homegrown talent that are or ones that just were never in WWE or another major promotion. And it, the thing of it is, and I've always said this about Tony Khan, he's the guy that snorts the fun dip sugar. And um, he he is a wrestling fan trying to run a promotion. That's and that's the problem. Um, and you know, the good doctor is correct. Sting will always be one of the greatest ever to lace up a pair of wrestling boots. Um, and I, yes, <laughs> um, obviously, you have your opinion. I'm not saying you know you're not allowed to, but yeah. um, but Tony Khan and AEW, if they only focus on doing something just because WWE did something, they're going to fail. And I'm going to say this, like I said last night, there you have way too many damn shows. You do not need three shows in AEW's case. Like, Raw having two shows is one thing, but AEW having three, especially when two of them don't even get good viewership, it, it defeats the point. You know, I agree with that. You know, AEW, they're going in too fast with all of their shows when 90% of their roster isn't even being utilized on TV. And it's like you have three shows, collectively about probably four or five hours at most all together. And you can't even utilize those other faces that you have sitting in the back correctly like you have people like aaron solo just sitting in the back that can pull off a good match you have a ton of women sitting in the back that can actually be utilized on tv we don't have to see the same faces every week 
but it's like how much longer until we see the constant thing until fans stop being pro this pro that and start being pro professional wrestling i mean hell you know the market we're in the area we're in you see that more than we both see that more than ever these days um and you know there is a lot of great talent in the back that's not being utilized and the reason it's not being utilized as much is because all this other talent from other promotions keeps coming in um you know jade cargill left isn't is going to be in uh WWE now. She's at the Performance Center training. There's Brian Pillman Jr. Um, joined WWE. Um, and, you know, there's... We'll see. I, I know there's probably more that are on the horizon. The thing of it is, is that I, you know, I said that the only person that's going to put WWE out of business is WWE. At this rate, AEW is going to do the same thing. I know there were people that didn't think it would last four years. I know there's people that didn't think it would. Um, and I will say, I think it's very impressive it's lasted four years. Um, you know, I think the MJF babyface stuff is going pretty well. Um... But I think it's not prominent enough. I feel like it's he's becoming an afterthought. Um, uh, you know, I definitely and, agree with that. It's AEW's like, booking is just rough, and and it's the stars, the great stars of the promotion, that are suffering because of it. Oh, one hundred percent agree. Like. I am a big fan of Ricky Starks, the gun club, and it's like what confused me a while back when they put the tag titles on the gun club. It's like they were the underdogs. That's what you needed was an underdog tag team as tag team champions. And then quickly you dropped the ball on that. You could have took them on a good underdog heel run. Like FTR, how many times are we going to see that? Young Bucks, how many times are we going to see that? Hardys, they can't even compete outside of the country. No offense to Jeff Hardy, but it's like they need to focus on building their talent more in their tag team division because their tag team division is struggling. That's why it's good that they're bringing in the independent talent to pull on those tag team matches, but how much longer can they keep depending on the local independent talent to come in for that? Yeah, I, I feel like it's also kind of just like that easier way to... It's, it's easier to get on AEW, and I'm... I want to say this without insulting AEW, but look, WWE is the top dog in professional wrestling. And it's easier to get in AEW than it is WWE. Um, and that's not saying AEW is bad, but it's just, I think right now, 
you know, they're just kind of hitting a lull, a lull period. You know, you mentioned it yourself. There's still so many shows and not even all the talents being used still. Um, and, you know, I feel like, you know, you'll see great quality matches here and there. But overall, I mean, it's it's seeing what we've seen in other promotions all put into one promotion. I agree. And it's like going back to that where they aren't utilizing all their talents when Fuego del Sol was signed with AEW for that period of time, I just constantly kept seeing him. Oh, he's booked in Missouri. Oh, he's booked in Chicago. Oh, he's booked in New Hampshire. But I'm like, why isn't he on TV? Yeah. Griff Garrison came back. He's on ROH. How come he's not on Dynamite or anything like that? And I'd say AEW is like that puppy dog and WWE is the pit bull Rottweiler to the Chihuahua. Yeah. Now, I've also wondered... Um, yep. Now, Jared, I have to ask you. Now, Christopher Miles is tuning in. Christopher Miles has one of the top wrestling podcasts out there. But what is Christopher Miles? He is the biggest heel referee in the entire world. Uh-oh. Yep, that's everybody's favorite heel referee, Christopher Miles, with Issues with Wrestling with Christopher Miles every week on Interstate 70 Sports Media. And he is also one of the most prominent referees in the – Oh, he said, no, I'm not, damn it. Um, but he's one of the most prominent referees in the St. Louis metro area. So be sure to check him out uh, this Saturday as well at Bittersweet Lockdown 2. Um, Pro Wrestling Epic presents. So I'm definitely excited for that. But um, back with this whole Adam Copeland joining AEW, um, you know, yeah. <sighs> This is what happens whenever anybody throws their merch away or burns memorabilia or any crap like that. They get the hell over it and they buy new ones. You know, let's go back to the 60s for a second. When John Lennon was taken out of context and was told and a journalist uh, put out in the public that the Beatles claimed they were bigger than Jesus. So what did all these people start doing? They started burning Beatles records. Um, and then when they realized what happened, they said, oh, crap, you know what? They bought all the records back. Um, during a lot of the L.A. riots, when N.W.A. was really popular, people were burning their records. Um, what did they do afterwards? They bought new records. You know, and people buy – they do this with sports jerseys. They do this. Look, here's the thing, and I'm even going to just throw this out there. J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter books, her views on transgender rights are terrible. I can't. I disagree with them completely. Um, I do feel she's transphobic. But guess what? If you burn a Harry Potter book, you already damn well know you're going to go buy a new one. So it's a moot point to do. It's not going to stop Adam Copeland from joining a sticking with AEW. And it doesn't mean I hate, this is another thing I hate. And 
Jared, you know me enough to know that I've experienced this firsthand. Just because you leave one company for another doesn't mean you hate the one you left. Yeah. Like, I and I think people are misconstruing that. They think Edge had a falling out with WWE. This has, there's no fallout involved. It's just Edge wanted to do something different. Yeah. Why is that so hard to understand? Yeah. And Edge even said on an uh, Instagram live video a while ago that he had a contract extension sitting in his mailbox. It was basically just his choice to make that extension or continue on with his career over at a younger company. And we saw what he went with. Well, absolutely. And, you know, uh, Chris is sharing the I love the guy in the AEW crowd with the I watch both sign. And that's what you need, you know, and you said it earlier, talking about people need to love pro wrestling. You know, look, the Monday Night Wars are over. The Wednesday Night Wars are over. The Thursday Night Wars never really happened. Like, so... um why can't people just watch wrestling and enjoy it, whatever the promotion may be, you know? Because the way I see it, you talk about having a lot of shows like Collision, Dynamite, Rampage, or Raw and SmackDown. People watched one show because they can't see the wrestlers on the other. Well, to me, that's why you would watch multiple promotions. Watch WWE because you're not going to see those guys on Impact until they leave or you're not going to see impact guys on AEW unless there's a cross promotion. You're not going to see any of them in new Japan. The only way this happens is when that forbidden door gets broken down or something like, and to me, that's what makes pro wrestling. And see, Chris says edge did all he could in WWE. So AEW was the best place to go for new challenges. Plus Christian's there, you know, know, it's life. I hate that name. Christian. I will get a shirt that says don't say Christian around me because I I wholeheartedly believe it was more than just Christian. I believe Christian will always be the last reason he went. I think there's more to it that he won't tell the world, of course, but, you know, Edge is going to do what Edge or Adam Copeland, what Adam Edge Copeland or whatever he wants to call himself now. He's going to do what he's always going to do. I believe he could have done more in WWE, but I just think when he returned, that was the perfect timing, but that was in the timing where WWE started to transition into a new era. Yeah. I mean, there just came a point where, you know, and uh, Chris is saying Christians my is in my top five. You silly goose! It's from Miles. But my thing of it is, you know, Edge could have gone to any different promotion he wanted to. He could have gone to New Japan. He could have gone to Impact Wrestling. He could have gone, you know, to you know AAA or Pike. It's Noah. the equivalent of or pro wrestling Noah. It's the equivalent of here in St. Louis. If you wanted to go 
to MMWA or CHWA, you know, or PWE or SICW. Like, and I know, Glory Pro, Anarchy. Jesus, there's a lot of freaking promotions out here. <laughs> anyway, point being, and if I did, and I'm not going to list all of them because there is so many damn promotions out here. It's insane, but I love it. More wrestling, the better. Point being, you know, when a wrestler you like goes to another promotion, you can watch that promotion and you can still watch the one you were watching. Like, now Chris is wondering, and this is a question for you to answer, what could he have possibly done in WWE that he hadn't done multiple times over? One simple answer. Elevate NXT talent. Plain and simple. You see, John Cena is going to be at NXT next week. Paul Heyman, uh, Asuka. They announced Cody Rhodes will be down at NXT. As simple as that. Yeah, I mean, oh, he says, he says, I don't know if he says it for us, for Adam Copeland, or for fans in general, but come to PWE in Alton, Illinois, on this Saturday, um, <laughs> of course, um, but. You know, he says uh, maybe he wasn't ready for that as far as helping in NXT. Who knows? Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. Like, you can put over stars in AEW. I don't think that's going to happen because I feel like he went there so he can still be a star. Um, but, th and this is the thing. Edge, at the end of his career, there was plenty of key put over but of course there's always going to be more you know people talk about john cena being on top of the the um the ladder for so long people forget i mean he opened up SummerSlam against baron corbin like he lost to theory at wrestlemania and theory couldn't carry it since you know, sometimes it's the the opponent and not it's the young guy, not the veteran that struggles. Absolutely. And you know, maybe yeah, Ed just wanted to give another promotion another shot. I think he'd always be welcome in, with open arms in WWE. I mean, hell, look at look at Mick Foley. He had a second career in well, or a third career in in, in TNA and he came back and he became the general manager of Raw. You know, like, and so, I mean, nothing wrong there. Don't get me started about all the places and things Ric Flair's done in his career. And the one thing that I will point out is you see AEW and WWE talent, not talent, fans, they are at each other's throat. But one thing that they do come together on is impact wrestling yeah that's the one thing that i see that they don't complain about because impact wrestling to us is kind of drama free it's simple they have good underdog talent there that can put on banger pay-per-views and a banger weekly show well impact wrestling is also that show that probably should that promotion that probably should have died years ago and somehow didn't um, to me, I always considered for the past, I mean, impact wrestling to me and 
you know, Chris says it's one of the best wrestling on TV. Um, and I mean, I have to say, I agree. I think it was one of the few promotions it managed very well through the pandemic. I feel like, um, and you know, it had great, it's had great talent over the years. You know, once it became under new ownership, I feel like it, it came to a point where it carries on a lot of traditions of which the NWA was, you know, and yeah, you don't have a lot here about a lot of backstage heat and crap going on back there. A lot of egomaniacs. It's very, you know, well run in my opinion. Um, I felt Ring of Honor was well run before it got bought out by um, AEW. Um, and I think it's just, you know, Chris says that it's shocking the impact that impacts lasted almost twice as long as WWE or WCW and ECW. ECW never truly had the funding. And it was when WWF was literally so popular. Um and yeah, like I said, under the new ownership, when Dixie Carter ran TNA, it was an absolute hell. Um, hey, we don't disrespect Dixie Carter. Yes, we, we can no, we, and we will. We, we can and we will. <laughs> I would have really like loved when... to see a Dixie versus Stephanie. Oh, God almighty, help me on that. It wasn't a match? Yes. Okay, I was going to say, fine, because Stephanie would absolutely kick her ass. Um, I mean, look, when the Dudleys put uh, um, Dixie Carter through the table, I surely enjoyed that. So, because, I mean, and everybody in the Manhattan Center, I'm sorry, in the Hammerstein Ballroom, that uh, they definitely enjoyed it, too. Um Chris says, this damn kid, you see what I deal with every week, Carp? Oh, that's true. I do know. I mean, you're you're prominently featured on issues with wrestling as well. So, um, yeah, I – wrestling has definitely evolved over the years as far as its reach. And I also want to say one more thing, and I said this last night on the Russell Talk podcast – Anybody that says ratings matter now, it doesn't. Ratings don't mean shit when, in, because streaming services exist and DVRs exist. Back in 1998, if you missed an episode of Raw, you were out of luck. Now, even in 2008, you were fine. You know, in 2023, you're perfect. You don't, I got YouTube TV. I have some engagements that go on, you know, before I get home. And I don't have to, if I miss Summer Raw, it's already recorded, you know? Like, wrestling, watching wrestling live is not what it used to be. Um, and that's okay, because as long as you're still tuning in and you still enjoy the product, that's what matters to me. Absolutely. Uh, I will always say that wrestling, I wish I was alive when devices, dirt sheets weren't around during wrestling. Yeah, uh, the business, 
Uh, I said this to Jay Wade last night. I said the dirt sheets, social media, and the business are what I sour on with pro wrestling. So, yeah, and that's the matter of the truth right there. And you know, and I think social media can hurt a lot of wrestlers' careers. Look at Edge. I saw already saw photos on twitter x whatever people want to call it now people threw their action figures in the trash can but one of the photos i will point out is how the action figure was still in the case so i guarantee you after that photo they took it out (laughs) yeah i saw that and i'm like yeah okay yeah you really got rid of your freshly mint in the box edge figure okay all right well Jared, that's going to about wrap it up here this evening, folks, on Roundabout Sports. I want to, once again, thank Jared for being on, um, talk a lot of pro wrestling with me. You can catch him every week alongside Christopher Miles on Issues with Wrestling. Um, As always, at the end of every show, at the bottom of your screen, I put up the NAMI helpline. It is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Um, It's at 1-800-950-NAMI. It is 1-800-950-NAMI. Um, N-A-M-I. It's the nation's largest grassroots mental health organization dedicated to building better lives for those that struggle. And, of course, we put on the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, and for that, you dial 988. Um, understand that the line is open 24-7, 365, 366 on leap years. Understand you're never alone in this world. There is always somebody out there who loves you and cares about you. And you always have that. um, It's just a phone call or an email or a text message away from getting that help. And you could also be the help for somebody else. Um, And folks, thank you so much for tuning in this evening. I want to thank Jared. And remember, I'm the maestro Jeremy Carp. Life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading. Good night, everybody. <laughs>